Today's episode is made possible with support from Bremer Bank. Work with a banker who understands your business goals and how a strong banking relationship will help you achieve them. Work with Bremer Bank. Put Bremer to work for you today at bremer.com. I know you've spoken with so many incredible entrepreneurs all oh. about what goes in the body. Yes. So we're going to switch horses. And talk right. about how, who's on cleanup crew? That's right. In bamboo. I mean, so many puns, so many things we can say. Do you have some favorites? Should we just get them out of the way right now? You know, I like to say at Bim Bamboo, it's where the good times unroll. Oh. That's just the tip of the iceberg. From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine, coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, cultivating the next generation of problem solvers and innovators. The school offers undergraduate and graduate programs in entrepreneurship and corporate innovation, as well as community resources to support new ventures, family businesses, and corporate entrepreneurs. And now, by all means. The toilet paper aisle is a boring place. You can choose from 12 rolls or 24, soft or extra soft. Beyond that, it's just a sea of white. That's starting to change with the arrival of Bim Bamboo. This is an all-natural toilet paper made of, you guessed it, bamboo, which is a highly regenerative material. Bim Bamboo toilet paper comes packaged in bright colored patterned tissue paper. It's as if to say, we're here to shake things up. And indeed, that is just what founder and CEO Zoe Levine, AKA the toilet paper queen, intends to do. She started just five years ago in Minneapolis with a $10,000 Kickstarter campaign and a big dream. Thanks to perseverance, clever marketing, and one global pandemic, Bim Bamboo is now sold in 1,800 stores nationwide, including select Target stores and Fresh Time grocery stores. It's growing quickly. Zoe's in the midst of raising her first $1 million seed round. She recently expanded the line to include paper towel, facial tissue, and wet wipes. What gives this young founder the confidence that she can go up against the likes of Procter & Gamble and Kimberly Clark? Well, it starts with lessons from her dad. My father is a serial entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Zomax was one of his companies. Medicom was another. They did like those end caps in the supermarkets. This is for people listening who, who maybe have a very good memory of shopping supermarkets back in the old day in the millennial era, uh -huh. Y2K theme. But you used to walk through the supermarkets and they'd have these end caps of like jukeboxes. Mm. And you could push a button on the jukebox and it would play a set like music for you. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this was like the first mix CD. Oh. They didn't exist before then. Okay. But he used to do these continuity programs for grocery stores uh, where you could go get a classical music CD. Mm -hmm. You'd, and they were so annoying. I remember every kid would walk through the grocery store, push every button. Um, <laughs> but so my dad is a serial entrepreneur. And one of the next things he got onto was this company called Ultra Green. Ultra Green was the first U.S.-based manufacturer of tree-free paper products. Ah. They're based in North Dakota. Okay. And I remember seeing my dad struggle getting this thing off the ground. Mm -hmm. It was, gosh, I think the mid-2010s. Mm -hmm. And 
it was the perfect example of the lack of product market fit, hmm. where it was a fantastic product and the market wasn't ready for it. Hmm. And that can be so tough for those real innovators out there. Sure. If you're ahead of the If market. you are ahead of the curve mm -hmm. and you have something, this is kind of like the test I give it. I'm like, could you explain this to your grandma? You know, or could mm -hmm. you explain this to your friend's mom that maybe has no context for yeah. it? And could they see relevancy? Because at the time, sustainability wasn't that big of a deal. Right. It's not like it is now where mm -hmm. we have smoke wafting in from the Canadian Borealis forest. And we're like, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? Right. But these were different times. Mm -hmm. And I... What kind of paper goods was that company oh, he making? He was using uh, byproducts of the cereal industry, so wheat straw, okay. to make pulped paper forms like uh, any to-go container okay. you need. Okay. And it was such a struggle. Hmm. It was so hard. And then on top of it, the Great Recession hit. Mm -hmm. And it was just this perfect storm. And I remember thinking to myself... You know, I've always been very proud of my dad, and he's been such clearly from, like, just this storytelling time together. You can hear the amount of inspiration and imprint he had on me. Yeah. But I remember feeling so bad for him, and it impacted our family so much. He had leveraged so much huh. to get this off the ground, and I just knew I wanted this to be a Phoenix story, not just for him, but for me, too. Like, mm -hmm. I saw... So much opportunity in tree-free paper. Mm -hmm. And then that only continued to build. As I walked through the grocery store, I looked down the paper aisle, and I saw forests wrapped in plastic. That's yeah. what is on the shelf today mm -hmm. and continues to be on the shelf with a very, very, very small subset of recycled paper, which right. is like so minimal when you look at the dollar value. So that was actually one of, one of my next questions, which is, did, did all of this for you and, and for your father start from a place of real concern for the environment? Or, and I don't mean to, to be blasé about it, was it sort of like this is a business opportunity or both? This is a business opportunity all the way. Okay. I, I would... This Bim Bamboo is the Tesla of toilet paper. <laughs> this is when you think of the future of the paper industry. I think so many of us identify with this, too. You go to the store, a 12 pack of Charmin. Mm -hmm. I just looked this up. A 12 pack of Charmin costs you $19.99. It's insane. It's $20 yeah. for 12 rolls of toilet paper. That lasts how long in a, in a household? Yeah. And this is the thing. Depends on what they're eating. Yeah, but yes. yeah what you're eating. You got IBS, you got colitis, you got whatever, right? Or, you know, we get the vibe. But the fact is, the day and age of using forests to make toilet paper will be cost prohibitive. Mm -hmm. And that is truly what's going to drive this change. Yes, in my heart, especially now that I have a kid, like, I want there to be clean air. And mm -hmm. water mm -hmm. and forests and little critters living in the forest. I want all these things for mm -hmm. the next generation yeah. and, and onward. And, and I think today, especially, we are seeing so much more of mission-driven businesses, that those aren't polar opposites, they, that you can do both. You can, you can create a company that is going to turn a profit, and that's okay. That's not bad. 
and it can do good in the exactly. world. Exactly. So there's your father with this company and you're feeling this like, oh, this needs to take off, but it isn't. So were you working with him? I flew under his wing. Okay. And I did everything. Okay. And I did not get paid for it. Oh. Bad idea. Mm-hmm. Bad idea. But I learned so much. I like to say it was my MBA and I didn't have any debt. So mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I barely survived those years. I mean, it was really, really tough. And finally, I went to him. And this he was doing tree-free paper goods. Like, yeah. we're talking sugarcane fiber. Like, all these alternative fibers most people have never heard of, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and making these products out of them. And I came to him, and I've always been a brand person. Like, I love brands. Mm-hmm. And I love brand building and all of these things. And I... I realized I really differed from my father, both in the way I felt the company should be ran, but also the brand that I wanted to build. Hmm. And so I went to him with a a challenge. I walked into his office one day and I said, Dad, I want to sell toilet paper on Amazon. Why? Why toilet paper? So I knew right away, okay, first things first, what is a high-velocity needed product that I could, yes, make an impact with? Mm -hmm. And toilet paper came to the top of that stack. And it's for all these reasons and more. I mean, it's one of those subjects like as soon as you pop open Pandora's box about the paper industry, can't unknow it. Mm -hmm. So this is for everyone listening who doesn't want to know this. You can press forward 30 seconds, skip through this. But don't say that. I know, I know. But this is, I mean, this is some earth shattering kind of statistics you start to get into. 15% of global deforestation is caused by the toilet paper industry. Wow. 27,000 trees are flushed down the toilet every day. Every day. In a second. I think it's like seven football fields mm-hmm. are ruined. Wow. A forest. Well, it's interesting. You know, you think about like we probably are using less paper to take notes or write things. We are, there are solutions. You know, we can use glass containers to put our food in instead of paper, but we still need the toilet paper. We need There's the no AI paper. answer for toilet paper. I know, right? AITP. What does that look like? Was I want to know. But so did that enter into your thinking too that like computers, technology is not going to put you this You can't out take of my this. job. Gosh darn it. <laughs> really smart actually. So how did your dad react when you walked in and said you wanted to make toilet paper? When I told him not only did I want to make toilet paper but I wanted to sell it using a D2C model. Mm-hmm. He told me I was absolutely crazy. <laughs> Of course he did. And that, it was so clear in that moment. I remember going home that night being like, well, gosh, finally happened. We're here. Mm -hmm. And I immediately started planning a Kickstarter. Kickstarter? I went to Kickstarter and I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to fund my first container. I'm going to get this stuff formatted for a D2C. You know, so this is what- This was what year? Uh, 2018. 2018. Okay, pretty recently. And I mean, at that time, I mean, obviously you got your Charmin, you got your Scott. I mean, there's just a very few brands. Yeah, we're talking Procter & Gamble here. That's it. We are talking Kimberly Clark, Georgia Pacific. 
We got three brands representing this aisle, and they are all behemoths. And they are huge. You are thinking, I'm going to go up against them with a Kickstarter. And boxing gloves. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. Okay, so how did that go? It was the hardest I have ever worked for $10,000 in my entire life. <laughs> but you raised $10,000. I did it. And I what did, did it. that allow you to do? I funded my first container Okay. to be produced. So, so this is something not a lot of people know about. I mean, this kind of goes for all CPG in general. But the unit economics behind how a product is formatted, like in volume, right? We're talking like dimensional weight here, mm-hmm. right? will directly impact your ability to sell something in D to C. So I'd like to ask you a question right now. Okay. When was the last time you went to Charmin.com and bought toilet paper? Never. Never. And that is the answer for over 80% of Americans to date. Mm -hmm. Even in this day and age where you're like, yeah, get a next day delivery, whatever. Sure. And it's an interesting... It's an interesting situation with toilet paper because it's so bulky. Mm -hmm. This is one of the bulkiest things you can ship. Yeah. And you can really feel it when you get a roll and you like squeeze it. You're like, gosh, they're jet puffing this stuff. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, well, if I'm going to be successful selling toilet paper online, I really got to go back to the drawing board. I have to look at the form this toilet paper paper takes. Mm Mm-hmm. How do I reduce the amount of size to be as small as possible so I can get this to the consumer for the lowest cost? Okay. And I engineered these rolls backwards. I said, I mean, like, no joke. I just sat there with, like, I think I had 20 different toilet paper rolls in front of me. Imagine this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a girl sitting at her desk with 20 <laughs> toilet paper rolls. And at one point I took a saw to one of them because I was like, I just need a, like a half inch off of this. But did you I mean, I'm really interested in, in this part of it, because this is where I feel like so many of us have ideas. But the actual like I would not like know, how how do you do that? I mean, so you had the benefit of working with your dad who was running this company. Did you know that you would have engineers or manufacturing help there to actually I get literally didn't made? know a thing. I mean, my my father, the thing about my father is I grew up the very short time I spent with him in this tree-free paper scenario was very small compared to all of the time that I saw him building his other companies. Mm-hmm. Now remember, this is like after Hebrew school, him taking a call with someone in China and me overhearing right at like 930 at night before I get ready for bed. So I got this exposure very early on to what it meant to source, to import, Mm. to negotiate. And those are the things that helped me understand that there are people in the world that make stuff. Yes. And you don't have to be the one making it. That's amazing. It is amazing. You just have to know who to call. You just need to know who to call or what to Google uh-huh. in this day and age. And that's really where I knew that I had to have a base understanding of what I needed before I asked anyone to make it. Hmm. It is so important and so crucial that you have a general idea of what direction you want to go in. Do not rely on the expertise of Joe Bob. Mm -hmm. 
So you don't you can't just walk in and say, I want to make a boutique toilet paper brand. You had to say you knew that, first of all, it was going to be not paper, not I mean, that that it was not going to come from trees. Yes. You knew that you wanted to go D to C. You knew uh, what else? What what were the other big things? I knew this had to be pretty. Oh, pretty. Pretty toilet paper. It what has does that to be mean? Pretty. The packaging? The, the packaging had to be outrageously beautiful. Mm-hmm. Why? And I have nothing going for me against <laughs> P&G and KC and GP. Uh, all of these major toilet paper brands have one thing in common. Their roles are really gosh darn boring. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had this wild opportunity by introducing not only a plastic-free op offering that was more sustainable, but also was freaking gorgeous. (laughs) I wanted to take your toilet paper from just a commodity to a home accessory. Hmm. I wanted this to be a badge of honor Mm -hmm. in your bathroom. And that comes from exquisite design. Okay, now I could see that I'm sort of a, you know, I'm a shopper who's looking for something new and elevated and I'm walking down the aisles of Target and I see this pretty box and I think, oh, fun and wow, look at all the benefits. I'll try this. But that's not where you were to start. Oh, gosh, You were online and so you needed a customer to come to you already wanting those things. How did you, that is a very difficult sell. It was a difficult sell. It was really challenging up until dun 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 the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. <gasps> How does one tiny startup step up to meet the needs of a global pandemic? We'll find out after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is made possible with support from Bremer Bank. When you're looking for business advice, everyone's got an opinion, an angle, a surefire five-step plan. But if you want to know whether any of it actually makes sense for your business, who do you turn to? Work with a banker who understands your business goals and how a strong banking relationship will help you achieve them. Work with Bremer Bank, because understanding is everything. Put Bremer to work for you today at bremer.com. Zoe knew the toilet paper shortage could be her big break, but she had a lot of hurdles to overcome. Here's how she did it. But I remember thinking to myself, OMG, I have the most wanted product in the entire world right now. And did you have much of it? I mean, were you able to manufacture in large quantities? Yes. You were? I had capabilities. Okay. I didn't have a ton of inventory at the time. And also, let me just ask as a little aside, it feels like to start at least, this would be a natural for like co-ops or places that were very eco-friendly, eco-driven. Was that the case or you were not in any stores? We were in a few, right? Like we had like Tim and Tom's Speedy Market in uh-huh. Como, which is an incredible, really cute store. Uh, we had like Wedge Co-op. Yeah. Right? Okay. Like it was tiny, right? A lot Our of great products have started at the Wedge Co-op. Oh my gosh, they are incredible. And yeah. the peop- the co-op members themselves are truly the reason why. Mm-hmm. And this really goes to show like those zealots and why your positioning is so important as a brand builder mm-hmm. because it can be that simple. Yeah. It can be that simple that you find your audience in your niche. So you're sitting on inventory. No, I have no inventory. I'm like, oh, you had no inventory. Okay. I have like just enough to get by, right? Okay. Like, I'm like, okay, like I have my my e com business and it's pretty small and a few local places. And then 
the great toilet paper shortage hits. And I remember this light bulb went off and it was like, ding, 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 time to go. Go, baby, go. Right? Yeah. There's all this opportunity around. And um, I knew that if I could wave a magic wand and open one account that would change the trajectory of my business, it was Whole Foods Market. And so I went and I went hard. I was a little curious about like how I was going to do this, right? Because yeah. I was like, gosh. Did like, you have any connections at Whole no, Foods? No, I have no connections. I'm like, right? Like, <laughs> nothing. Okay. Uh, but I have a heck of a lot of drive. Yeah. So I remember in March 2020, everyone can like remember March 2020. It's yes. been maybe the most horrific month of their life mm -hmm. but there happens to be this insane trade show that happens once a year in anaheim california and it is like the cpg super bowl for brands mm -hmm. it's called natural products expo west and gosh it had to be i forget what what day it was but it was you know it's like a week in march and they canceled it as they rightly should have. Like, right. no one knew anything like about this. everything else, yes. Yeah, no one knew anything about this at the time. And I went on LinkedIn and was browsing to see what I could find about this whole shit show. <laughs> and I saw that a buyer, very, very nice woman that I'm still in contact today, she had made a post from her heart that said, I am so sorry to all of the brands that paid the money to get a booth at Natural Products Expo West, that paid the money to put together a trade show booth, mm -hmm. that paid all of the travel expenses to get their team out to Anaheim, and who had an intention of meeting me. Would you drop a comment down below? I'd love to connect with you virtually. <gasps> There's your opportunity. Yeah, but she was the beans rice buyer. So oh. I was like, burp, burp. but I did the not. The that comes before the need for the Yeah, exactly. Paper. It comes in. It must come out. So I, I pinged her and I was like, I am so moved. Clearly, like yes. I still am. Yes. I am so moved by this offer you made. Yeah. I'm not selling beans or rice, but I am selling toilet paper. <laughs> Is there any way you could see if the, the paper buyer would be interested in connecting with me and less than two hours later hmm. i had the mobile cell phone number of whole foods market global mm -hmm. paper buyer wow now let me ask something did whole foods already have on the shelf any other sort of sustainable toilet paper product okay this is i'm not gonna put them under fire they have done the very best they, they can with their private label program, mm -hmm. sourcing sustainable-ish products. Mm -hmm. And then they had Seventh Generation, which is, right. you know, really right. the, I like to say, like the grandfather brand of sustainability. Yeah. Yep. And those were the two brands. They had two brands on their shelf. Mm -hmm. And, and did you have a problem with those brands? I mean, it just, no, just wanted, no. Okay. I just was like, gosh, you thought there was like room... you should diversify. Sure, sure, sure. And that was, you know, that ends up still to this day when it comes to 
merchandising and assortment choices by major retailers. This is the new thing that so many buyers are thinking about. How will they function with the disruption in their supply chain? Mm -hmm. Do they need to diversify their set or their category to have more offerings available? Sure. So that if something were to happen, Mm -hmm. they are prepared. Yeah. So nobody could have um, uh, imagined, you know, and we all had the same thought at the same time, got to make sure I'm stocked up with toilet paper if I'm not able to get out of my house. So you've got the toilet paper, but you don't have a ton of it. Now you've got Whole Foods interested. How did you fulfill? What happened? I was royalty at the time. So I basically told people what I wanted and they gave it to me. Uh And I knew enough to know that I didn't have any money, but in order to get money, I had to get a PO. Uh-huh. So I asked for a PO and yeah. I got it. And then I financed that. Wow. And then I got them toilet paper. And you, why were you able, because you were using different materials, different resources than all the big guys that couldn't make it fast enough? Exactly. The diversification of our supply chain directly played into our ability to execute on those orders. Wow. And and the factories were able to be open. They were essential. Yes. Think about all of the barriers in 2020. Yes. And I don't know, like we really haven't talked much about what we make our toilet paper out of, which might be good. Yeah. If we do, because it kind of plays into this directly. But Bim Bamboo as the name suggests, is made out of bamboo. Mm -hmm. Bamboo happens to be the fastest growing plant in the world. Right. Which makes it wildly regenerative Mm -hmm. and excellent for uses like paper products. It's classified as a grass, not a tree. Mm -hmm. Bamboo grows to harvest in about two years, the species we work with. A tree equivalent would take about 30 to 35. Crazy. Yeah. So it gives you an idea. And, you know, our forests are finite, but are infinite. So it's really our job to figure out how do we create more regenerative agricultural solutions to our paper needs? Mm -hmm. Because some, as you mentioned, some paper needs we can replace with digital. Some we cannot. Mm-hmm. Toilet paper is one of those words. Like Kinda even with it. a bidet, like I am t- so team bidet. I love my bidets, but you still got to dry off. Yeah, absolutely, you still need the TP. That you is still for need sure. the TP, and there's like other really cool fibers to look at as well, right? I'm not necessarily uh, beholden or married to bamboo as as a fiber, but gosh darn, does it make a great roll? Yeah. And it makes great toilet paper, paper towels, wet wipes, Hmm. facial tissue. And that's what our brand has now expanded into today. So what started as just, oh, my gosh, I found an opportunity and I kind of budged my way in there and really helped Whole Foods out, which Whole Foods as an account is like the coolest account ever because it opens nationwide distribution. Yeah. Where where were you by the end of 2020? How many stores were you in? Oh, gosh, I think we had made it into 800 stores by then. And it was one of those moments where 
I really had to gut check my mental health and well-being because the level of stress, the accommodation in the new work environment. Thank God I was in Lunar Startups, which is a local accelerator program at the time Mm -hmm. because they became like my, I don't know, my peer group Hmm. where I could really share some of the struggles because that year almost put me out of business. Hmm. And a lot of people think like, oh, toilet paper, it's like white gold in 2020. You know, Mm -hmm. you just make out like a bandit, which for sure, maybe for someone who like knew what they were doing, played all their cards right. Yeah. But I wasn't that person. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your honesty. So what were the biggest learnings from that time? Just because you have it in a contract doesn't mean it's going to play out the Mm. way your lawyer said it should. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can't really speak to a lot of the dark things that I've just mentioned. Like that, I'm like, I'm just going to push those under the bed. We don't have to talk about them. Okay. I mean, it was one of those years where I spent so many sleepless nights and really leveled up my negotiation skills because I had two major issues with some of our nation's top retailers Hmm. uh, that I can't really, I can't speak to Mm -hmm. openly right now, but. I remember thinking to myself, OMG, this is the end. Hmm. I'm going to go like a hot, flaming, fiery, big mess. The crap. No. <laughs> no. You know how to clean that up. I do. So, I so do. We're, but were the issues, and I understand that, you know, you can't talk about all the details right now. That'll be for, for later. Um, but it was more on the, the selling side than the manufacturing side? It was on the selling side. Really? It was that, on the selling That surprises side. me just because I think it's a common theme that you're using a, you know, a manufacturer or a co-packer or whatever, and they can't keep up with your demand or your small potatoes, and so they won't make what you need. You had that all figured out. I had that all figured out. I mean, I was really lucky to have all my sourcing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way you make toilet paper is actually, I don't know if this is for this podcast. Yeah, but... no, I'm kind of curious okay, now. Okay, welcome to this episode of How It's Made. <laughs> right. uh, so you take a raw material, like a, a pulp, or eventually, right, you take a raw material like bamboo. You then chip it and you make a pulp out of it. And then you make something called a mother roll. And a mother roll is where all baby rolls come from. <laughs> In order to turn a mother roll into a baby roll, you need a converter. Mm -hmm. And so we were really lucky that we had a ton of mother rolls available to us and we could turn those like lickety split high capacity status Hmm. into toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. That's what we did. We were really lucky. And we still to this day work with this manufacturer because they had our back through some of the highest demand we've experienced to date. Wow. That being said, I I have big plans for Bam Bamboo. Uh, well, I want to talk about that. I also want to know, once things settled down yes. and toilet paper was back on the shelves, Tells. did your demand continue? No. Oh, no. No. It dropped off. This is the thing. The entire toilet paper market dropped off. Why? It wasn't just me. Because people bought, like... Two years worth of toilet paper in a mm. month. They were terrified. Mm-hmm. But you, but they're going to run through it. They did, but it took years. For wow. So to there really was a dramatic there slowdown. There was a dr- yeah, and this is across the board. This is, I mean, I'm going to go back to my competitors. 
Kimberly Clark, Georgia Pacific, mm -hmm. Procter & Gamble, all of them, if you look at any of their numbers, they're all down. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of nice. It's like, oh, you're not the only one. You're not the only one, but you're smaller and yeah. that's harder to withstand. Wolf. So it was so bad. But these, you know, this, I think we've left enough breadcrumbs here for people to try to put two and two together. <laughs> this is part of the areas of intense negotiations I had and some of the pain points we Got experienced. It. Okay. So uh, at the end of the day, you're responsible for the inventory you sell, whether it is sold or if it's sitting on your balance sheet. Mm -hmm. It's yours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Enough said. Um, <laughs> we you just recently, we are uh, recording this in July, and you just recently had an announcement about a big expansion with Target stores. You are with that and Whole Foods. How many stores are you in now? We're in over 1,800. 1,800. Let's go, baby. Yeah. And how do, we were talking a little earlier. I mean, the, the challenge of growth versus revenue. Profitability. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is such a good question for so many founders to act, ask themselves in these current market conditions because, gosh darn it, they're weird right now. Bim Bamboo has experienced a ton of growth in the last, really, year. Mm -hmm. And some of that growth is due to having a perfect product market fit. We spend very, very little on marketing. The majority of our revenue is going back into the brand to support it. And it's growth. Hmm. But we are now growing faster than we can keep up. So we launched a seed round. We're now fundraising. You know, we bootstrapped yeah. our way here, basically. And we're trying to figure out what this next chapter of growth will look like for us because we have a ton of opportunity ahead. Mm -hmm. Some I can share, some I can't. Mm -hmm. But we have a ton of opportunity ahead. And... The fact is, for so many brands like Bim Bamboo, growth and profitability do not go hand in hand. Did you feel? Do you feel like you knew that going in? Did did people have to say to you, "Hey, uh, Zoe, it's time to raise some money"? Yeah, I. Or did you I, I know would, it was time? I was dragging my boots, and you know, I I really kick myself for waiting so long to raise. Really? Well. I waited till the shittiest time in history to <laughs> launch this thing, you know, like to launch the raise. Yeah. And I remember I was doing informational interviews with some of my incredible founder friends, like really successful, mm -hmm. wonderful women who took the time to coach me through fundraising. Because, I, you know, I did my due diligence and I did lots of informational interviews before I launched this raise. And one thing resounded clearer than anything else. What's that? Don't raise unless you have to. Mm -hmm. And it's also that one piece of advice. I wish I would have stepped back and said, gosh, you're crazy. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wonder why that is, because there were a couple things that happened during this time that really set us up to be in a tough position now. One is that all my competitors decided to raise. Mm. And I was like, nah. <laughs> what do you mean? What competitors are you going back to these? The big, I mean, not oh, the big no, companies. I, They've got money. Okay. So along the way, along the way, there are some other people in the world who also thought to themselves, gosh, 
tree-free fiber is the future of the paper industry. Yeah. I want to get into that, right? Huh. So along the way, I had a couple of competitors pop up. Okay. And you can, it's, this isn't really something you can trademark. Like, uh, not trade. Well, you can, uh, you like IP, right? Okay. We're talking intellectual property now. Uh it's very hard to yeah. trademark toilet paper. There's only been two real protections in the history of the United States around toilet paper IP uh, or real innovation. One is the actual toilet paper patent. Who has that? <laughs> it's expired now, but it was like filed in like back in the old day when yeah. you used to use Sears Roebuck or corn husks yeah. to get by. And uh, <laughs> so it was like, I know, therapeutic toilet paper. I'm going to file a patent. So uh-huh. that was kind of when toilet paper began. Right? Uh-huh. People have used all kinds of crazy stuff to wipe their butt leaves throughout history. And right well, yeah, leaves, sea sponges, <laughs> and uh, it just goes on and on. But uh, there's also the bidet, right? Mm-hmm. And that's made some big moves. But in the U.S. market, like really struggling with adoption. Yeah. But anyway, so... So there really isn't that, quote unquote, protectability. But I had these these new competitors pop up and I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah, that's scary. It is scary, especially because these guys, you know, I, sh- I really do mean guys like they're all run by. I will say very nice, but they're, they're all run by white guys. Mm-hmm. And they kind of knew what they were doing. And I was over here doing the best with the unique and eclectic history that I have as a human, (laughs) knowing that I can design something they could never build themselves, which is an incredible brand. And that is to this day, one of our most protectable things we have at Bim Bamboo. It's our brand and our brand experience. So what's the learning there? Is it just be be yourself, be true to yourself and don't worry so much? I think it's like, look at the market, figure out what you need in the next five years. And if you need to go raise, you go raise while the markets are good. (laughs) That is the lesson I would tell my younger self. Yes, yes. That is a that is a big lesson. But I also wonder when you're selling something as universal as toilet paper. I mean, is it an advantage to be niche and and to go after a certain market or could you know are you better off being broader it is always always if you have very finite budgets to deal with Mm -hmm. you got to figure out the smallest target market you can Hmm. to win and you see this like i think we can all look to some like major brands for examples here like i personally love shopping the clearance aisle of grocery stores because you can see the graveyard of failures and you can see where, uh, I remember, I think it was like, this is a great example of this. Quaker Oats debuted a cereal, like a hot cereal for kids that had dinosaur eggs in it. Mm-hmm. And the dinosaur eggs, when you like put the hot water on the oats, they would disappear. And it was a great example of... A terrible idea. It doesn't matter how much money you throw at this. <laughs> sure, yeah. But it was on the clearance aisle in no time. And yep. it's and these like in order for a CPG brand to win, you have to get the highest product velocity possible. You have mm-hmm. to sell as many units possible at that grocery store. And you do that by building not just your first sale, but your repeat sales. Mm-hmm. And you do that by figuring out who you serve, who Mm -hmm. is your audience, and how can you do that better than anybody else? Is your audience who you thought it was going to be? 
Oh it, no, it's pivoted so many times. So who who how would you describe the the kind of the ultimate Bim Bamboo customer today? Today, we serve the imperfect environmentalist. The imperfect environmentalist, who is that? They are folks that are always looking to do a little bit better, uh-huh. but never at a higher cost. Ah. So we are talking about someone who is very price sensitive, especially when it comes to a commodity. Yeah. And they love great design. They're not necessarily seeking out more sustainable alternatives in paper. A lot of people don't know that paper is a rather unsustainable category. Mm Mm-hmm. And no one wants to be shamed about it. Mm-hmm. So we here at Bim Bamboo are focused on celebrating change hmm. and empowerment through design. And it gets back to, I mean, sustainability is an Easter egg in our brand. It's not, you know, if you go look at one of our packages on the shelves of Target, you're not going to see, oh, we're eco-friendly. Oh, we're green. Mm-hmm. And You're not a, preachy. Yeah, we're not preachy because yeah. that is, it's just not relevant. Yeah. It's that it sustainability is the new standard. Yeah. It's like, come on. Right. But if you make it just like, and bonus, it's sustainable. Boom. That's the better Boom. strategy. Yeah. Ta- talk about prices just a little oh, bit. Oh, I'd love how, to. How do you compare? Right now, you can go to any Whole Foods market across the country and you can buy 12 rolls of Bim Bamboo toilet paper for twelve ninety nine, okay. Or you can buy it at Amazon.com and get it delivered. Uh, okay. That's my short commercial. <laughs> but- uh, one take. Yeah, one, one take, take that's and it. she's done. Boom. Mic drop. Okay, so so twelve ninety nine, twelve rolls versus Charmin Target mm-hmm. nineteen ninety nine for twelve rolls. But do they have more on the rolls? Oh, you want to talk do? toilet paper, man? I'm sorry, I just no, no, no. I mean, I'd I, love to talk toilet I'm paper, man. I'm a price conscious shopper. It takes a. I, we put the ass in astrophysicist when it comes to toilet paper math because it is so complicated to understand this stuff. Yeah. It is designed to confuse you. Yes. So a typical, I think, gosh, I forget. Charmin's roll, I think, is somewhere around 285, 285 uh-huh. sheets per roll. We're at 308. Dang. But also the roll size, the roll width, all these things go into the true square footage. So if mm-hmm. you look at toilet paper, you really got to look at square footage, price per square foot. Okay. How is it, though, because you just would assume that being that you're small, being that you're doing something sustainable, that's already going to inflate the price of a commodity like this. And it's going to be more expensive to make that choice than to go with the, you know, the old standbys. Not the case. Not the case at all. And we made that as a deliberate choice. It's one of our biggest differentiators. Mm -hmm. We are here to invite everyone to participate in a future beyond deforestation. So does that just mean that you are willing to settle for a lower margin than some of those? Exactly. I mean, that's truly we're a new brand. We are looking to get our name out there to be as accessible as possible. And I will not let something as small as being margin greedy get in the way of that success. Hmm. I love that. Um, so we started out talking about how you were going to build a um, a direct-to-consumer toilet paper brand. You are now on the shelves of, thou- you know, hundreds, thousands, 1,800 stores. Are you still selling direct? And what's the learning there? D2C is one of those weird categories for toilet paper where 
the majority of people are not buying toilet paper online. <laughs> it's like when you run out of milk. You're like, oh, geez, we got to get some more milk. Right. I'm going to go run to the Stop store. Stop by the market. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Toilet paper tends to be that similar similar thing. There's a group of very, very organized people who get sure, order in advance delivered yes, to yes, their yes. house. Uh, so is it worth it to serve those people or are you just really focused oh, yeah. on the stores? You I are. love serving those people because those people are our brand zealots. They mm-hmm. are truly our community. They are the closest I get to be to the consumer. They are coming to Bim Bamboo. Dot to com. Buy. Yeah, yes. yeah. They are coming to my website and they're yeah. like, heck, I'm going to give you a dollar. And I'm like, I'm going to give you a dollar and I'm going to give you so much more because each one of them, you know, I cannot tell you how important community is for brand building. Sure. And how important it is to truly understand who is that imperfect environmentalist that we're speaking to mm-hmm. and what is relevant for them and why is it relevant in D to C? But it may not be relevant in wholesale. Mm-hmm. So there are so many audiences that I've learned about, right? Because sure, I have my imperfect environmentalist who is our our core customer, and they shop both in ecom and uh, at brick and mortar. But I also have buyers hmm. that are making major decisions mm. on behalf of some of America's greatest retailers. They are making the choices about what we as shoppers can support with our dollar. Mm-hmm. And they are another audience. Sure. Yeah, that's that's really important. How did you get so smart? How oh. did you figure out? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, because so it's like there you are going oh up God. against these giants. I mean, in trying to reinvent like a category that is just like a staple. I mean, it, this is this is hard stuff. And and you did it without you know super fancy MBA degree. And and you did it on your own in really trying times. Like what you you mentioned lunar startups. Who do you have other mentors? Who's who has been helpful to you? I like to say to be a great entrepreneur, you have to be dumb enough to do smart things. And I have been so lucky to be surrounded primarily by some badass women. Mm-hmm in our local community that I have invested a lot of time and they've in turn invested a lot of time in me Hmm. and coaching and mentoring. And I I think this goes back to like, you know, we have some incredible programs in the Twin Cities to help entrepreneurs take an idea and turn it into a reality. And I feel that there are so many of us in this entrepreneurial startup community that do not understand what does it mean? What does it really mean to be a great mentor? And what does it mean to be a great mentee? Hmm. So what what, what would you say on on either side? Here are my my hot tips. Yeah. Okay. Tip number one, start sending out a monthly stakeholder email. This is a way you can You know, if you get that coffee with someone, right? Not everyone is like a long-term mentor that's going to stick with you forever. Mm -hmm. Some people, you know, you just need like a sniper who's really good at, I don't know, PPC that you want to spend an hour with, right? So reward them. Let them cheer you on on this journey. Hmm. This is truly about building community through and through. So you're sending them updates on how things are going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I have an email list. Yeah. I should add you. Please. And on this, I share about our challenges, our opportunities, 
who we're hiring, if I have any asks. Hmm. And I have a special call out area for kudos. And this is where for all the people that month that helped me, that took a phone call or sent a couple texts back and forth or may have had had a little something to do yeah. with that that evolution of me as professionally or the brand, I thank them. Huh. I love this. So this is different than what you're doing as a brand. I mean, this isn't for the consumers. This is really oh, no. for your people. Yeah, these your are for, community. I like to call them my VIPs because I, love it. I I and I I am so giving with advice. I think so many of my friends in the entrepreneurial community can probably speak to this. But if I can share one thing to make their journey less painful, I will. Hmm. And I feel it's so important to be in community as a entrepreneur that's mm-hmm. scaling up, that's growing like heck because it is lonely. Yeah. And how is anyone supposed to help you along the way if you don't ask for the help you need? Mm-hmm. So what about you, you said you have advice for the mentors, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. I've had so many phenomenal mentors. What makes a good mentor? I hate to say this because it might just be about me, right? Mm-hmm. And my persona and how I, uh, co- uh, my most coachable moments. I personally need someone to believe in me. Hmm. And I've experienced this so many times. Like in school, I was that student that got A's or F's. Right? I was the, I was either the all-star or I was like checked out. I was like, this is not relevant to me. Yeah. Right? And I think it's really important for the mentor not necessarily to believe in the person they're mentoring, right? That's like a nice, but like there's going to be people you meet where you're like, yep, you're not going to make it, right? Like that's a reality. Not all of us can. If we could, everybody would do it. Sure. There are only so many entrepreneurs that are built to win in the biggest of ways. right? And some of us can level up, right? But I think it's so important for the mentor to help the mentee understand really what it's going to take. And that medicine, not everyone's willing to take that medicine. Yeah, I love that. Well, speaking of winning, what does that look like for you? Are, are, are you like, are you the next Jessica Alba? Oh, my gosh. Is that, like, what, what does Bim Bam, <laughs> you mentioned other products and With extensions. enough filler and Botox, I would love to become the next Jessica Alba. <laughs> but for Bim Bamboo and our brand... We are looking at being the next name brand in toilet paper, facial tissue, paper towels, wet wipes, anything you need to wipe, we will take care of for you. And we will do that in the most sustainable way possible. But the bigger picture for Bim Bamboo is a tree-free paper company, vertically integrated manufacturing in America. You are not currently manufacturing. No, we currently manufacture in China where a heck of a lot of bamboo grows. Mm -hmm. And it's worked out really well. And I have huge, huge ambitions Mm -hmm. for the future here in America and what that will look like. And, you know, I was lucky enough. Georgia Pacific called me up last summer and they were like, hey, you want to come hang out in Nina, Wisconsin, which not a lot of people know this, but 
Appleton, Nina, Wisconsin is like the paper capital of the world outside Po Valley, Italy. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, Georgia Pacific knows who I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet they're watching. Oh, you. my gosh, they are. And uh, so they invited us to spend the summer with them last summer. And I was pregnant as heck at the time. And I got in my car and I drove out there and I spent the summer really designing the plan for the future. You're kidding. <laughs> it was so cool. I mean, I have to tell you, like, their their headquarters is so insane. I think I could say this given my NDA because it's like very broad. But um, so Georgia Pacific's headquarters in Nina, Wisconsin, is their innovation center. Uh-huh. And it is like if Willy Wonka had a baby with Hogwarts, yeah, you would have their innovation facility, which is called 1915 Studios. Okay. And, and it was just the most incredible program because we had all of this incredible papermaking technology. A lot of people don't think like papermaking technology, like what is technology? What is paper? It's not mm-hmm. like AITP, right? But it is, there is a ton of technology that goes into papermaking. Sure. And a lot of us don't have any clue about it, nor do we want to. But I got to do a deep dive with North America's largest paper maker. That's amazing. So this was like an, an incubator program. Yeah, it was so cool. Wow. <laughs> it was so cool. So you liked it. I loved it. I loved it. And it was like, you know, it's the first time. Not everyone you can just like chat toilet paper. With. Right. That's exciting. It was super exciting. And it really set us up for, you know, Bam Bamboo as a brand is one thing. But the future of the supply chain, the agricultural end, the future of the paper industry is at a crossroads. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that we will be one of the major players solving the climate crisis through paper. I love it. You got to name it to claim it. Hell yeah. (laughs) I love that. But is there any concern that Having all the big guys see what you're doing makes them go, oh, yeah, we totally could do that. Why don't the more, we do that too? The merrier. Really? Even if it's a Georgia Pacific Procter & Gamble situation? I believe so strongly in what we're doing and the need to shift our alliance on our forests to wipe our butts. The future must be different if we are going to rewrite history for the climate crisis. If we can get more people to join this party, heck, I'm all for it. And you think there's enough. But I mean, selfishly for you as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, if if those guys swoop in and say, oh, wow, look what Bim Bamboo did. We could just do that instead of acquiring you. They totally you worry can. about that? I, you know, I, I don't know if I worry about it because these guys are behemoths. Mm-hmm. They move slow. They take a long time to figure just about everything out. Yep. And it's kind of like, here's the equivalent I give. Like, when you go to Whole Foods Market and you walk down the macaroni and cheese aisle, do you see Kraft macaroni and cheese organic? 
No. No. You see Annie's. Right. You see Annie's, which, by the way, got acquired by General Mills. Mm-hmm. If anyone can do it, you can. Thank you. Love your energy and your drive, and we know we will uh, continue to need your products. That is for sure. Allie, thank you so much. It has been such a freaking delight. Wow. Well, as you can hear, it takes a big personality to start a toilet paper company, and Zoe definitely has that in spades. Interesting fact that really resonated with me. Do you know that the average two-person household consumes an entire tree worth of paper products in the course of a year? If you want more facts and you want to go shopping directly, you can go to bimbamboopaper.com. For some more perspective, let's go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, where Danielle Campo is a clinical professor of entrepreneurship and the incoming associate dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship. First of all, congratulations, Danielle. We're so excited to talk to you. Thank you, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So Bim Bamboo, this was new to you, learning about this company. It was. It was new, but incredibly exciting and fun to hear about. Right? I mean, it's just, to me, the idea of innovating on toilet paper, like, you got to have guts, and it also sounds kind of crazy, but you're seeing more of this with sort of basic staple products. Absolutely. You know, a lot of us, our students in the classroom, think about these big tech ventures, right? That's what's hot. That's what's flashy. That's what makes the news. Silicon Valley level, you know, TikToks and Snapchats. But I always encourage students to think about what is something they're passionate about? Let their passion and their purpose in the world drive what could be innovative. And I really think this was just a, a classic example of opportunity capture. And even though it's a basic innovation, it is still an innovation. And we always encourage students to think about innovation in some of the most unique and underestimated areas. And as you saw with with what Zoe said, it really was about following her passion. And it's interesting, we have seen a lot of diversification in the basic product sector, just in the last decade, you know, you walk into a Walmart, you walk into a Target, even you go into the toothpaste section, You go into the deodorant section and you can see a huge multitude of diverse products that are more clean, they're more sustainable. And so I think what Zoe's company is doing is really uh, right within the trends and where we see the market going in terms of basic product innovations. Right. Social entrepreneurship and the idea of doing something with a mission is obviously another big trend. And I think increasingly that, that mission and purpose beyond just making money is baked into almost every new product launch. It's interesting how how Zoe talks about it. It is important to her, obviously, and she's got all sorts of, you know, facts and figures about deforestation and why it is important to find alternatives. At the same time, she's just trying to make a great product that people want to buy. What do you think about that approach? Yeah, exactly. I think Zoe said it best, right? This company is a business first and foremost. People, though, are really craving socially-minded organizations. Uh, they, they want to buy products from companies that have invested in our environment and in social causes. So people are really demanding that. The consumers are demanding that, and they're u- doing that by using their dollars, right? They're purchasing from companies that they align with. Uh, so I do think, though, uh, as Zoe mentioned again, without the profit, though, it's hard to actually have that impact that you want. If you don't focus on the business first and it's a sinking ship, 
it's really, really difficult to make an impact in the area that you want to you know, show, see advancement in. I also think, you know, it's really worth noting here that Zoe mentioned sustainability is now the new standard. This is just absolutely true. You know, as I mentioned, consumers are driving the demand now for sustainable products more than ever before. But in this day and age, you know, CSR and ESG are buzzwords that corporations are using more and more. We hear more of that in the news. But consumers are pretty savvy, right? They can kind of see through the propaganda and they can see the companies that are authentically working to provide an impact in sustainability efforts. And, and I really think Bim Bamboo is the epitome of that. You know, let's focus on the business because we understand that we need profits in order to make a difference. But let's do that in an authentic way. Understand who are our niche customers, those imperfect environmentalists, so to speak, as she called them, and then constantly revisit that concept of product market fit to ensure that they're providing not just a great social impact, but a true product that actually meets the needs of that niche customer that they've identified. Right. And that's why, I mean, back to where we started, the the bright colored packaging, the the clever marketing, it all helps. You can't only put all, you can't put all your eggs in one basket with sustainability. Absolutely. Great perspective. So nice to talk to you. I hope you'll come back to the show. Congratulations on the new appointment as Associate Dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship. We loved having you, Danielle. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you also to our presenting partner, the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship. If you want to know more about the show, go to tcbmag.com slash by all means. You'll find past episodes and all sorts of great perspective from professors at the University of St. Thomas. Thanks again for listening to By All Means. to make By All Means, and we've got some all-stars. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tom Forlitti. Digital support is Ricky Hannigan and Dan Nepo. Thanks to the University of St. Thomas, Opus College of Business, and Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, especially Dean Laura Dunham for all their support. Our theme music is by Song Finch. Thank you for listening to By All Means. By All Means.